Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. It's my great joy this morning. We're going to be continuing our series, Disciples Are. And uh, Kim's going to be coming and sharing that this morning. And we've been looking at disciples of surrendering daily. We've looked at disciples serve one another. We've touched on that um, disciples are committed to searching the Word of God. Last Sunday, we looked at disciples are submitting to God and to one another. And this morning, we're going to be looking that disciples are searching, excuse me, are seeking, seeking to find the lost. So I want you to give Kim a big round of applause this morning. I know you've done that a few times this morning, but thank Kim. Amen. So, good morning, everyone. Am I hooked up and everyone can hear me? So fantastic to be here. And don't we have an amazing church? Honestly, everybody who got up this morning, I was like, yes, that's amazing. Yes, that's amazing. And I know so many of you out there, and I'm just so proud to be a part of this church. And I'm so excited to give this message this morning. And I really felt someone prayed over me, and they said, this is a divine appointment. And it just resonated in my spirit. It's like, it's a divine appointment for me. It's a divine appointment for you. It's because God has a message for us today. So I hope that you can hear what I'm saying, that you can really focus in and get the message that God's put on my heart for this morning. So I don't know about you guys, I don't know if you've been um, paying attention, but we just released um, a new vision statement and a new mission statement for our church and 10 values for the life of our church. We announced that um, in February at the Vision Sunday and I've just been reading through them. I just encourage you to, to read through them because like, they just resonate with my heart. And I think they will yours too. And it's really important because it's who we are as a church family. It's who we're growing into. And I was thinking it's a little bit like naming a baby. I know when I named my first baby, it's a bit weird. It was like, oh, I think her name's Rachel. And then people go, what's her name? We're like, oh, Rachel. It's like, it's sort of like you have to get familiar with it, you know, and, and it doesn't feel familiar right away. Um, and I think that's the same with the, what we're doing here with our new vision and our new mission is that we're kind of going to be growing into it. We're in a season of growing into who we are as a church family. And so I'm going to say a couple of them. There's a lot of them there. There's 10 values. But um, the first thing I wanted to say was our mission. And our mission is to glorify God by demonstrating outrageous love for people. And I just love that word outrageous. You know, we can't demonstrate outrageous love for people. The only way that we can is that we know the creator who demonstrated outrageous love for us, didn't he? And so that's what we're all about. And so we're talking today about seeking and saving the lost. And it goes so well with our mission statement because that's what it means, to outrageously love people who are lost. And so um, I was looking at the values as well, just checking to see if what I'm talking about fits with our values. And out of the 10 values that we have, five of them directly relate to this message of seeking and saving the lost. The particular one I wanted to point out was, it says, the call to make disciples is central to all we do. And that's why we're doing this message series on Disciples Are. That's why Pastor Shane chose this, and that's why we've been talking about it, because it's central to what we do. And the line after it says this. It says, we aim to be a church ready for harvest, where every member is equipped to disciple one another and those far from God. So that fits so well with seeking and saving the lost, because seeking and the saving the lost is all about harvest, isn't it? Well, let's just, I just want to start with a prayer, um, and then we'll begin. So, Jesus, we just want to say, first of all, that we love you. And Lord, we turn our eyes upon you. We look full into your wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim yes. in the light of your glory and your grace. And so, Lord, we want to see you, and we want to see evangelism, which is your mission on earth, the way you do today. Give us revelation 
And I pray, Lord, that you'll capture our hearts as your disciples, that we will never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Well, that phrase, to seek and save the lost, actually comes out of um, the book of Luke, chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is like the perfect evangelistic story. I just love this story. And I'm going to say it really quick for you, so you've got to pay attention. Basically, Zacchaeus was a sinful, stealing, short man. All right? And Jesus is on his way, doing whatever he was doing. And Jesus had outrageous love because he had time to stop for the sinful, stealing, short man. And he showed outrageous love to him. He called him by name. He said, I'm coming to your house. And within one day, Zacchaeus' life was completely turned around. Instead of being a sinful, short, stealing man, he came to be forgiven. He came to be generous. And I believe he became tall on the inside because he found out who he was and that his life had purpose. And so Jesus said these words to his disciples after the disciples saw him treat Zacchaeus like this. And he said this, these words. He said, the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and save those who are lost. Wow. And so I think in saying this, he was basically saying his mission statement. His mission, his mission statement was this, to seek and save the lost. And I believe that if we're disciples and followers of Jesus, that that should be our mission statement too. Right. It should be our mission statement for our church, which it is. And it should also be our mission statement personally in our everyday life, to seek and to save the lost. And we do use the big word evangelism because it's a bit shorter than seek and save the lost, but that's what evangelism means. I also wanted to point out the lost. Who are the lost? The lost are people who do not know, love, or follow Jesus. All right? So in this story, Jesus stopped for Zacchaeus. He did not know, love, or follow Jesus at that point in his life. But for us, it means stopping for the people in our lives and in our world who do not know, love, or follow Jesus. And so it's my joy and my honor to speak on this topic today, not because I feel absolutely gifted on it, in it or qualified, none of those things. I'm a bit like Moses saying, you know, when Moses got his call and, and he said, who, me? That's sort of how I feel about it. But God reminded me that he um, gave me some very special experiences with evangelism as a young girl. And those experiences and walking with God in those ways has forever changed the way I see myself as a disciple of Jesus. And so I want to share some of those experiences with you, and I pray that they will bless you as well. And I know and believe deep in my heart that God wants his mission to be our mission, and I know in my heart that he wants to use each and every one of us. He needs each and every one of us to be a part of his mission here on the earth. And so I believe that God's going to impart something new to each of you on this topic today. It doesn't matter where you stand on the spectrum of evangelism. You've never even heard the word and don't know what it is. Or you love it and you think it's the best thing ever. I believe he has a special message for each of us today. I like to think of evangelism as a mission of carrying the outrageous love of the Father to others. To me, God's really shown me that it's all about love. There's no point in doing it because it's on a tick list. Not, no point in doing it just to please God. It's all about asking God to give you love for people. As soon as you have love for people, it changes everything. And it's not your love for people, it's actually his love for people. So you can look at someone and think, I have no love, and you can say, God, show me. And he can show you something amazing about that person. It's, it's wonderful what he can do. And so it's us sharing outrageous love to others. And so everywhere, everywhere I look in scripture, I see that God was on mission. That's what he was all about from the very beginning of the Bible, all the way through is on mission. 
And his best demonstration of his mission was when he came to earth as Jesus, which we've already heard this morning in the, in the communion. And he was demonstrating outrageous love. He was sinless himself, but he was willing to die on the cross for our sin. And he made it possible for us to be saved and reconnected with God. That was his mission, and that's what he did. And when Jesus was here, he taught his disciples to also carry his mission. And so the very first thing, I don't have my slides today, they didn't work, so I hope you can just focus in with me. Um, the very first thing he did um, was when he was choosing his disciples was to explain the mission to them. In fact, that's how he chose them. So he chose his first disciples, we read about it in Matthew 4. He was walking along and he saw two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and they were just going about their everyday work. And he said these very words, he said, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And I think it's really amazing how they immediately were drawn to him. They were willing to get up. It says they, they got up and they followed him from that moment. And you know, I believe it's the best decision they ever made in their lives. The adventures you read in the Bible of what they were able to go and see and do with Jesus is unbelievable. And I believe that's the same for us. That if we are willing to follow Jesus, to become fishers of people, he is going to show each and every one of us, some of the most incredible adventures and things we never thought possible. And I've, I've experienced that myself. I know many of you have as well. And I just want to invite, invite you today, if you haven't, take up that call that Jesus says to his disciples to fish for people, to let him teach you how to fish for people. And so I um, learned a little bit about how to fish for people in my early days as a little kid in my church. But the one I want to talk to you about in particular is about what happened in my high school. And so um, you can tell from my accent that I come from the United States. Um, I grew up in Virginia, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., right near the White House, basically about 20 minutes away from the White House. And I attended a high school called Oakton High School. So all you high school kids, you can focus in and hear about high school in America. So high school in America is year 12, um, 9 to 12, and there's 2,000 kids. So I'm talking big high school, lots of kids in our high school. And I'm going to answer all your questions because I always get all these questions. Yes, high school in America is just like you see it in the movies. Yes, I, I rode on a yellow school bus. Yes, I had a locker. Yes, we didn't, no, so no, we didn't wear uniforms, no school uniforms in our school, and yes, we ate in a cafeteria, and yes, there were tons of cliques in our school. We had the drama club, we had the cheerleaders, we had the burnouts, we had the geeks, all that stuff happens in our high schools, and you can tell because they're not in uniforms, so they all stand out in what they're wearing and that sort of thing. Yes, high school musical depicts it well. Um, and there was a man, in our, a man who came to our high school named Rick Beckwith, um, and he was part of an organization called Young Life. He came to the high school probably about the same time I came to the high school in year nine. And I just wanted to pause for a minute to honor him and um, just say um, this is a man who loved Jesus, and he was a man who passed on his love for Jesus to us all. And it's amazing. He um, still keeps in touch with us. We call ourselves kids <laughs> today through email and through encouraging us to keep our eyes on Jesus. He was a true discipler. He was a true follower of Jesus and modeling discipleship to us. And so what happened with Rick was he came to our church and he had a, um, and he gathered, um, he went around and he found out who the Christians were in the school, okay? We didn't know who we were. We were from different churches. And he said, oh, and he brought us all together. He said, let's meet together, let's meet together. I want to just meet with you guys. So we thought, oh, well, whatever. So we got together and he just looked at us and he said, God wants you to transform your high school, just like he used the disciples to transform the world. 
we were like, you know, okay, we're Christians, whatever, we're following Jesus. We never thought like that. We never realized that God could do something like that, that, that God could transform our high school. But God was already at work. He was already at work. He had already placed 25 Christians in the school. He had already done works in each one of our lives, and he was just bringing us together, casting that vision, and God was about to do something very special. And so what happened after that is we started to capture the heart for our school. We started to get the vision. Our high school could be transformed through the message of Jesus. We saw all the things going on. We saw all the problems that were going on in our school. We knew that kids were crying, kids were hurt, kids were mad. Things were going on. We didn't have answers, but we started to believe that God had answers for our broken high school. And so what we did was we met twice weekly. Monday nights were what we called campaigners. Monday nights were what we would call in our church connect groups. They were the times where we came together, we got out our Bible, we'd pray, we'd talk about the kids in the school that needed help, we'd pray for the kids in the school that needed help, we'd pray for each other to be bold enough to say something to them, to reach out to them. And then the rest of the week, we would invite our friends, invite our friends, invite our friends to Thursday. And Thursday nights were the night where we had our outreach. We called it club. And we had club in the homes of um, the families of the school. And so club would consist of a whole bunch of fun songs, fun games, and then Rick, who just had a way of, you know, taking the Bible and making something that young people could understand, got up and just shared a bit about Jesus and, and offered, you know, for people to come and to follow Jesus. And so we did that week after week after week. They also had camps where we would go away and they would explain at the camps the full gospel, and, and those were the best days of people's lives. In fact, the way we um, advertised the camps, we'd say, we guarantee this will be the best weekend of your life, money-back guarantee because we knew that if they got saved, it would be the best week of their lives. And it was true. It was the best week of our lives. In fact, I'd love to go back and do it again. <laughs> um, and so we asked everyone we could to come to club. We'd say, just come once. Just come once, that's all. We'd do funny things like, you know, we're going to shave Rick's head if a certain amount of kids come to club. You've got to come and be one of those kids, and we're going to shave his head. Things like that. We Just anything to motivate people to come to club. Just come once. Just come and see what it's like. And in time, we had kids coming from all the different cliques in the school. I remember the fear I had asking the kid from the burnout kid from the um, smoking court, because we had a smoking court in our school. I was like, come, come to club. You know, I, just, I don't know, God gave me boldness. I did it. You know, they were coming, you know, kids from all different spheres of influence. And also, it was really special because we wound up having leaders in the school coming to club, which made it even more influence and more people knew about what was going on. And so the name of Jesus became common in our school, and you would literally hear one of us calling out to each other because we'd have prayer parts and say, oh, I'll pray for you today on that exam, you know, in the hallways and things like that at school. It was so beautiful to be in a community of Christians like that. And so basically we had our discipleship, and that brought harvest, and then those people would be discipled, and then that would bring harvest, and then they would tell their friends, and that would bring, bring harvest. And so in four years, we saw our club grow from 25 kids coming to meet and hear about Jesus to 200 kids coming and meeting about Jesus each week. We ran out of room in the homes. Like, we had a pretty wealthy area that we lived in, and we had some pretty big homes, but we started to run out of room in homes because we didn't have enough room for these 200 kids to come and hear about Jesus. And so we saw lives truly transformed. And I just want to say, even today, um, that I'm still in contact with many of those people, and they are still loving and following Jesus. They were forever changed. It was absolutely a beautiful experience. And for me, it was such joy and such an adventure to see our lost friends saved and transformed, but it was also such a joy to be a part of a community of people who had one heart and one mind. We loved God, and we loved to go and share the good news with others. 
And so the reason I'm telling you this story today is not so you think, oh, that's an amazing thing that happened to Kim in America. I'm sharing this story with you today because I really believe with all my heart, and I've believed this for many years, that slowly by slowly, slowly, whatever, slowly, we are coming into a season where God wants to transform the Illawarra right. through our church and through the churches of this city. It's a combined thing, just like he brought us from all the different denominations together and captured us with that vision. That's what God wants to do in our world. And I mean, I asked the question, could our church grow 10 times in four years? I've seen it happen. You know what I'm saying? I saw it happen with my own eyes that God took our high school and it grew 10 times in four years. It's possible. Only with God, of course, because we all would think, really? <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. And I think it's something that's already begun because God has always drawn people to his mission. He's constantly at work, whether we see it or not, in people's lives. And for years and years, many, have, many, many seeds have been sown in the Illawarra. In fact, there's people in our church whose parents prayed and lived and worshipped in this area and were answers to their prayers. There's people that have grandparents in this church that were part of the Illawarra. And we're the answer to the prayers of the people who've lived here in the Illawarra. And we're going to have to look together about how we can pass that to our next generation. And we already are. Look at what we heard about the youth camp. Look at what's happening in Sprouts. And we're doing so much of that already. But I think that this message, I suppose, is just about a vision, about a vision about really what are we doing here? We're going to bring transformation to this whole area. Um, and I felt like this is also the season because since COVID, we've had so many social changes, haven't we, about what's going on in our communities. And we're really beginning to understand how much we need Jesus. You know, I think we fall asleep. We think, oh, everything's okay. We're pretty wealthy. We're all pretty happy. Everything's good. Um, but we're starting to see that, no, even with all the wealth, everything can be stripped away in a minute, can it? You know, and so we're realizing we really do need Jesus. He is the only eternal thing. He is the only rock that we can stand on, isn't he? And so, you know, we're starting to get urgent about that for ourselves. We're wanting to live in a world that we had where, you know, it was easy to be a Christian and free to, to share our faith. That's what we want, right? And, um, and we're realizing if we don't do something, it's not going to be that way. And also, we're starting to see that people are seriously broken and seriously struggling because all the things that we stood on and we thought were the same that we all agree about are so um, shifting sand. People are really struggling as to what really is the truth. What, how should I live? What is the truth? And so we have that because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I believe God can do the impossible as we believe, follow him, and learn to be fishers of people for Shell Harbor and beyond. And so as a church, when we continue to make discipleship central, like we said in our values there, to all we do and fine-tune it a bit and, and focus more on the mission of God, we're going to be ready for the harvest. And I believe we have the most beautiful facility. We have the most beautiful people here. I know so many of you. I know your stories. I know that you just love God with all your heart. You've been faithful. There's so many people who have been faithful, faithful through so many difficult seasons. And I just have so much respect, and I think, wow, look at that person, look at that person. Oh, you should hear that person's story. We have a lot to offer as a church. I mean, honestly, I, it makes me want to cry when I think about it. And honestly, if you think about the people in this church, we have a lot to offer people who are looking for hope. 
we have a lot of wisdom because people here really love Jesus. And we just want to encourage everybody to be in connect groups and get in those places where you can really grow together and carry that vision and encourage each other to go out and speak, invite people to church. It might take 10 invitations, but keep asking. And I mean, look, I'll say the same. I said I've invited my friends 10 times and, you know, you get tired of that. But, you know, one day's the day. One day's the day when they will come to church. All right. So quickly to finish, to finish, slowly finish, <laughs> um, how can we specifically do it? Like what are some things we can fine-tune even from today on in order to have that perspective of fishing for people and um, seeking to save the lost? So I just have four places to start that I'm only going to abbreviate because I don't have heaps of time today. But I just want to share with you that we have started the evangelism team. So excited about John and Narelle who are taking over and kind of spearheading that. Um, we've been working with this team for like since 2018. And, and this is the way God does things. He does things little by little, little by little, consistently, consistently, and then they build. And it's been building and it's becoming stronger and more beautiful um, working together with that team. And we have a really beautiful fellowship in that. So we have lots that we learned. We did a Silence Breakers course and that was fantastic. I'd love to share some of that with you guys sometime. But I'm just going to share four um, just simple things I think that can help us, that we can take away to become fishers of people, even starting from when the service finishes. Okay? All right. So the first one, I love this one. I just want everyone to pause for a moment and think, how did you come to know Jesus? Who was that person? What were the things that happened that made it possible for you to know Jesus? Was it just one person or was there more? And I thought, let's just do a quick survey. I'm just going to say some of these things. And you put your hand up, and you might have more than one that you put your hand up for. Was it a friend, a family member, or a spouse? Put your hand up if it was that. For me, it was a family. Yep. Okay. What about a teacher, a coach, or a neighbor? Did anyone have a teacher, a coach, or a neighbor that, that pointed them to Jesus? Not as many, hey? All right. What about a Christian camp or an event that you went to, and it was part of your story? Maybe it wasn't the, the moment you came to Jesus, but it was part of your story that helped you to grow in Christ. Okay, how about a Christian concert, radio, through music shared to you. Someone gave you a song and that song just spoke to your heart and you go, oh, I want more of this. All right, what about books or preachers? Or maybe you're the person that argued your, your way to faith with somebody. <laughs> I did that with somebody. I was arguing with them for a long time. All right, what about a street preacher or a crusade? Maybe Billy Graham crusade. I know we've got people from Billy Graham crusade that became saved. Yeah. How about, this is a big one, I think, scripture, Sunday school or youth. I know for me that was huge. Yeah. And also, what about missions? Did anyone go on a mission trip or through a ministry of compassion? He thought, you know, this is the way to go, caring for people. Yeah. Well, I pointed those out because I think it's usually the easiest way to share our faith is to share it the way we were saved. You find it easier. You know how it, what spoke to your heart. And therefore, you can find areas where you can use that to speak with others. So like for me... Um, it was through my Sunday school and youth ministry, and so I always gravitate to those places. I think, oh, I just can't wait to get in there and share them because I know, share with them because I know it made a difference for me. Also, my family, you know, I invested in my kids because it made a difference that my parents invested in me. And so I just encourage you to think about it. Maybe, you know, it was music. Maybe you can just send a, I, I often do this in texting to people, I'll just send them a song. You know, they don't have to be a Christian. They can enjoy that song, and it's speaking, you know, the name of Jesus in that song. Whatever it might be, a book. You hand a book to somebody. We have to understand that these small steps are the things. These are seeds. The Bible talks about seeds. And it talks about one person plants, another person um, waters, and then God makes it grow. And so we just need to be about planting seeds. If we're all planting seeds, one day is the day when that seed's going to grow. 
All right, so that's number one. Number two, oh, and the other thing I want to say about that as well, um, 2 Corinthians 2.16, I really love this verse. It really helps me with evangelism. It says, to those who are being saved, we are the fragrance of life, but to those who are perishing, we are the stench of death. And so I just want to encourage you that, you know, when people are being saved, they love it. They want to hear it. They're thirsty and hungry. And you will meet people like that. You'll have others that don't want to know about it at all. But you just have to say, you know what, that's okay. God promised that would happen. And that's okay. And who knows, sometimes those are the people that actually turn and come to Jesus later. All right? They might just be at the very, very, part, very, very beginning of having their seed planted. Okay, number two, really quickly. Um, we need to believe that we have good news. Okay? I'll, I'll be honest. Probably one of the things that keeps people from sharing the gospel is that we don't actually believe. We have a lot of unbelief. And I love what was said about Jesus when he was born. It said, the angel said to him, he said, they said, we bring you good news of great joy to all people. That's how they announced Jesus' birth on the earth. He is good news of great joy to all people. To some people, to all people. You can be confident. Any person you meet on the street, anywhere you see them, no matter how scary or ugly they might be, <laughs> Jesus is good news for them, and it's going to be a great joy if they come to know him. And so we actually have the cure to the worst sickness in the world. The worst sickness in the world isn't cancer, although that is a terrible, terrible sickness. But the worst sickness in the world is sin, because it affects every single person. And if there is not a cure for sin, it leads to death and hell and eternity away from God. That is the worst sickness in the world. And so, you know, we have the answer. We have the antidote to that, and that is Jesus. He is the cure for sin. He forgives us and he saves us from hell. We have good news. Let's keep that in our hearts. And when we look at anybody and they're going through a hard time, we know we have good news. All right? So number one, use what you have already found Jesus through as a way of sharing Jesus with others. Ask God how you can do it. Number two, believe that you have good news wherever you go for whoever you meet. And you don't have to witness to every single person that you see. But ask God. Be open. Maybe today's the day that a little seed needs to be planted in this person's life. Number three, intentionally pray for your sphere of influence. Each one of us has a unique sphere of influence. The people in my life are different than the people in your life. All right? That's your area to look after in the garden of God's huge world. <laughs> These people. And so um, in the course that we are taking, they encourage you to put your name in the center of the page and then just draw the different parts of your life. Maybe it's um, your work, and put the people in your work on your page. Your family, your extended family, the people you meet when you go shopping. You know, like I've got my guy at 7-Eleven that I see all the time. I know his name, he knows me, he looks forward to seeing me. He knows I eat sushi, you know? <laughs> and we have a little chat, and I've invited to church many times. He says he's gonna come, and he never comes. But who knows, one day he will. <laughs> Every person in your life you have good news for. In fact, he has been missing lately, and I'm wondering where he is. And I ask him, you know, because he's got his family in India with COVID, and I, I talk to him about that, you know. Just, I love this guy, okay? When he comes, I'll introduce him, okay? <laughs> All right, so these are your spheres of influence. So get them on your page, and I just encourage you to pray over them. Because number one, if you pray over them, God might open and soften their hearts in a way that you can share with them if you're praying. Number two, God might send other people into their path. And that's what often happens. You can be sharing with someone and you find out you're an answer to that person's parents' prayers. That makes sense. I met a guy on the street down in Shell Harbor and um, it was really cool. I got to share with him. It was scary. He was a bit drunk and I don't know. But, you know, he said, oh, my mom's been praying for me. I'm like, oh, I know I'm in the right place. I'm here because his mom's been praying for him and God has sent me into that place. So that's what that happens when we put down on a piece of paper 
our sphere of influence and start praying over it. Okay, so share your faith through ways that you came to Jesus. Number two, believe you have good news wherever you go for whoever you meet and ask God to give you an opportunity if there is one. And number three, intentionally pray for your sphere of influence. And number four, follow God's prompts and speak about him. So I'm just going to share one last little story of real life for me, sharing the gospel. And like I said, I'm not an expert, and I don't get it right all the time, and, and, the, and this story didn't end in salvation. I'll just tell you that straight up. But I just think it'll help you understand what it's like, um, how I'm learning. I'm learning how to do this, okay? So, you know, when I go out, I'll often just say, God, if there's anyone that needs you, anyone that's seeking you, bring him to me today. I'm open. I'm open. I mean, I wasn't really that open this day because I was going for a bike ride, and I just wanted to have my day to myself on my bike. And I'm biking away, and I'm going to go biking to the farm. And as I'm biking along, it wasn't very far after I'd gotten on my bike, there, I noticed these two guys on the side of the road. They're teenage guys. I told you, like, I have this thing where I have a heart for the youth. Two teenage guys with a, a pail, a bucket, and a fishing rod. And look, I have to be honest, sometimes you bike past people and nothing, but when I bike past them, I just had this thought, speak to those guys. And this is what goes on in my head. I just want to explain it. I'm riding my bike. I'm way past them. And I'm thinking, I should speak to those guys. And then I'm thinking, no, it's just me. I just need to go. This is my day, my day to myself. I don't want to stop. I don't want to go back. It's silly. What am I going to say? I'm a lady. I'm an old lady. These are young guys. You know, blah, blah, blah. It all goes on in the head. And then I, this is the thing, though. I've done this so many times now because every time it happens the same way that I have a big fit about it and don't want to do it. I was like, okay, I know they'll be happy if I do it. I know I'll be blessed. I know there's joy on the other side of this. I'm just going to do it. So then I turn around, I'm biking back, but I'm biking back very slowly, hoping they'll leave. <laughs> no, or, <laughs> or saying, God, what am I going to say? Like, what's my opening line? You know, like, how do you start talking to these strange boys standing there, sitting there? Um, so this is the thing I love about God, too. He's just taught me to be genuine, you know? So I get, up, I get closer and closer. It's like, okay, I have nothing, God, I have nothing. So I said, hi. <laughs> and I said, this might sound strange, but I was just biking past you and I just noticed you and I'm a Christian and I felt like God wanted me to say something to you. So I didn't have anything to say to them. I just said, I think God wants me to say something to you. And I'm like going, oh, give me something, God, give me something. I said, I said, does that mean anything to you? Like, you know, and one of the boys right away goes, oh, I have a brother who's a Christian. And the other boy goes, I used to go to scripture. And so I go, oh, thank you, God. Right then and there, I just feel confident right away because I know I'm an answer to someone's prayers. You know, I know God's already got something going on in their lives. And so they were really open. We had a conversation. I can't even remember the conversation, but in the midst of it all, they weren't trying to run away, make excuses, looking the other way. They were really engaged in our conversation. And I was able to share the whole gospel with them. Sometimes you only get to share a little seed, like, you know, oh, God loves you, and that's enough. You know, <laughs> they're not that open. But they were really open. I shared the whole thing. And I was like, oh, this is really good. And then I got to the place where I was like, oh, what do I say? It's like, well, do you want to follow Jesus? And they both looked at each other, and they kind of go, well, we're not really ready yet. And, you know, I used to get disappointed by that, and I used to think I was a big failure, and I'd done it wrong, and I didn't say the right thing, and I should have done this, and blah, 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 blah. But God's just taught me, you know what? It's not about that at all. In fact, I really respect people who say I'm not ready yet. Do you know why? Because when they're ready, they'll be ready. They'll be sincere. It won't just be lip service. And I don't want people to think they've given their life to Jesus when they really don't get it and they really don't want to. <laughs> I want them to give their life to Jesus when they really get it. And sometimes people need a lot of little encounters like that to get it. Do you know what I'm saying? 
They do. I do. I needed a lot of them. And I still need them. And this is the thing I think, too, we need to understand. It doesn't matter where you are on, this, on the spectrum of not being saved, saved, or growing in God. Everybody needs to constantly be encouraged. So even if you meet Christians, in fact, God often brings me to Christians. And it's such a blessing when you meet Christians. And, and they get so touched. There was a couple with their little boy on the street. And I just felt, oh, I had to go back. It was, I was jogging that time. <laughs> went back. Their little kid had fallen on the ground in front of me. So I went back to see if he was okay. And then I just said, oh, you know, I just want to let you know that God loves you. And they were like, oh, we're orthodox. We're orthodox. We know about God. And I said, well, he just wants to bless you. And I jogged off. You know, it wasn't like I had to have a big conversation. But how encouraging would that be if that happened to you, wouldn't it? Like God just wants to use us like that. So follow God's prompt and speak and, and, and take up the adventure to be a fisher of people. All right, the last scripture, I'm just going to read the scripture and I'm finished. I just think this, oh, I thought it was going to be up there and it's not. Okay, I'm going to read it. It's just a little bit of a long passage, but just can you please hear the heart of God as you read this as we finish up tonight, today. It's, um, it's Matthew 10 and it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in that area. So we can imagine us traveling through all the towns and villages of the Illawarra, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. It was good news he was announcing. And it says here, he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love that, don't you? He has compassion. That's his outrageous love for people. And don't you think we can agree with that? We see our people in our worlds. They are confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But this is what he says to his disciples. This is the last bit. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, the workers are few. So pray. He actually says this, pray that the Lord who is in charge of the harvest Oh, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers into his fields. That's Jesus' prayer. And so I felt like today as we finish, let's be the answer to this prayer. Let's be the workers that go out into the harvest. Let's be the ones that get to see the harvest. Let's be the ones that get to see what God is doing in the Illawar that he's been doing for many, many years. Could we be the ones? Could we be the generation that brings a big turnaround in the Illawarra? Could we be that bright light in the middle of the globe when God looks down because it's so bright with the love of Jesus? Could we be that city on a hill that's part of our, um, part of our um, verses that our church was founded on, that we would be a light on a hill? Let's be that. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much. We want to thank you, first of all, for your outrageous love for each and every one of us and each and every one of our loved ones and each and every person on the earth. And Father, we want to ask that from today, we will carry your mission in our hearts, Lord, to fish for people and to share good news with all the people. Father, I pray for the most incredible adventure for each and every one of us, that you will just grow us in, by leaps and bounds. Father, that you will fill this building, fill the kids' ministry, fill the youth, fill the sprouts, Fill the food care, all the different ministries we do in this church. Fill them with people who are hungry for you and let them come and find you. Let it be our joy. Let it be our joy to see lives transformed. And let it be our joy to be in fellowship with one another in this way. In Jesus' name. And if anyone here who is maybe lost, you might feel like Zacchaeus. You might feel like you're inadequate and you don't have it all together. I just want to say today for you, today is your day. 
Today is your day that Jesus is stopping and he's got outrageous love for you and he looks at you and he knows you by name just like he knew Zacchaeus by name and he said to him, come, I'm going to come and into your life. And so if that's you, today's the day that you can ask Jesus to come into your life and today's the day he wants to turn your life around. And so we're just going to pray a prayer. And so I just ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for your outrageous love. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sin. I want to give my sin to you and I want to turn and face you and live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.